It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the book of Judges, the 16th chapter. The book of Judges, the 16th chapter. We'll begin reading there in a few minutes. That's real easy to find. That's what the seventh book in the, in, in the Bible. So it's real easy to find. 16th chapter of Judges. Now while you're turning there, let me uh, say a few things to you. In, in this life, I've discovered that everything that seems good to you is not good for you. Kind of like macaroni and cheese. You know, it looks really good and it tastes really good, but the problem is it makes me grow the wrong way. I'm still wanting to grow up. And if I eat that macaroni and cheese, it makes me grow out. And the problem is it makes me grow out in places I don't need to be growing out. In. But anyway, there are some things in life that, that you may find yourself drawn to. And when you find yourself drawn to them, you think, man, that's really going to be good for me. Uh, but in all reality, it's not meant for your good at all. Even though it may seem real enjoyable at the time when, when we get our hands on whatever it might be. But in the end, it calls ultimate destruction. I've learned that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your stature in life is. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how good looking you are, how, how well thought of. No matter who you are, you can get caught up in some very compromising predicaments, some questionable circumstances. And we're going to look at a classic case of that today in this text. This is going to be a very familiar story when we read it here in a minute. But as I was preparing for, for this sermon today, my, my mind ventured back to the late 1980s when I was reminded of a movie that had America uh, as well as probably the whole world talking. And this particular movie changed the way that we look at relationships, changed the way that we look at fidelity. This was a film that had married women daring their husbands to cross the line, to enter into a, another relationship, an extramarital relationship. This, this was a film that had the biggest, toughest, menliest men absolutely scared to death to look at another woman. Do you remember what that movie was? It was called Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction was the name of that, that movie. And what that movie dealt with, it dealt with the danger, the act, the consequences of becoming involved in an extramarital affair. It, 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 it explored, if you will, what can often happen when a man or a woman decide to slip off into another relationship? Now, let me suggest to you this. 
that likewise those of us who are a part of the household of faith, if we're not careful, we will have the same proclivity And that's just a big old fancy word that y'all didn't know that I could use. But every once in a while, I have to impress y'all to get my pay. But that word means that you have to have, uh, that you can have a tendency or an inclination, inclination to, to end up in your own spiritual fatal attraction. Now, in other words, if we're not careful, we can end up in the same predicament that this guy that we're fixing to talk about ended up in. You got your Bibles open to Judges the 16th chapter, amen? I want you to look in verse 4. Now you notice it says in verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he, talking about Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Solrek, whose name was Delilah. Now I want you to go back up to verse 1. Because you look up there, it says that went Samson to Gaza, and he saw there a harlot. And while he was in with her, the Gazites were saying, hey, we've got him right where we want him. And what that did, they planned on killing him. But what Samson did, he, he had a plan, and I'll explain this later on. But he, the Bible tells us that he escaped at midnight. He went through the gate, took the gate, plus the post on both sides and toted it off with him and got away. Now, let's go back where we were. Verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came unto her, this is Delilah, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, let me stop right there real quick. How much is 1,100 pieces of silver? I have no idea either. It don't matter. But what I want you to see was there was five main guys that were the rulers of the Philistines. Those five guys each said, we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, if my math is right, I know I'm just dumb, but that's 5,500 pieces of silver. That's not chump change. Okay? So, they have got... In other words, this was a mean, evil woman. She was more interested in money than she was in anything else. I mean, she had a heart of poison. But, now... Let me visit with you today here for just a few minutes. Now keep your Bibles open and don't be reading ahead trying to cheat to ruin our plot because we're going to read some more here in a a minute. But we're going to talk about today, it was a fatal attraction. It was a fatal attraction. Now I want you to look at this because Samson illustrates the perfect example 
of what can happen when we allow ourselves to be attracted into sin. It's the classic example. You know, he shows us the effects that a fatal attraction to sin can have on our lives. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in James 1.15, emphatically informs us, it says this, that when lust has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is finished, or when sin has fully grown, fully matured, it produces death. So this lets us know that the attraction to sin is not only deadly, but it's fatal. And I'm going to show you why here in a little while. Okay? Y'all remember all this stuff that I'm telling you. Now, when we talk about that word fatal, if we defined that word fatal, it is defined as something that is causing or capable of causing death. Something, or in this case, someone causing ruin or destruction. It comes from the Latin word fatum. F-A-T-U-M is where we get our word fatal. And, uh, uh, and it means deadly. It means destructive. Uh, uh, so, I guess in other words, something fatal is something that is deadly, disastrous, uh, destructive, or it can be lethal to each one of us. Now, the word, of tr- the word attraction, that word, if you defined it, it is the act of or capability of attracting or the power of attracting. Something that attracts you, that lures you, that charms you, that infatuates you, that is just so luscious to you that you've just got to have it. You just can't do without it. It tempts you. It entices you. It calls your name. I could go on and on and on. So one thing that I want you to understand today beyond the shadow of a doubt is this. The devil is very crafty. He is very smart when it comes to the sins of the flesh. I want you to understand that the devil knows exactly what turns you on. The devil understands what makes you tick. You know, the devil knows what will turn your head, whether it is a something or a somebody. And what he will do, he, since he knows what it is that you want, he will take it and he will put it right before your very face and he will say to you, you know you want it, just take it. Ooh, I just can't stand it anymore. You ever been there? You ever done that? There's all sorts of things out there that just have that lure about it that we can't resist it. So, what does he do? 
He offers you that fatal attraction to sin. And there are, short, there are times, every one of us in here has been there, done that, where we fall short and He leads us just like a lamb to the slaughter. Now, I want you to remember, this wasn't Samson's first encounter with a fatal attraction. You know, we, we're, we're going to look at this case that, that, that where he is uh, infatuated with Delilah. But what did we just read in those first three verses? It says that he was with a harlot. And the Gazites were wanting to kill him. And it was only by the grace of God that he made it out of there, uh, you know, through that. But this time, with Delilah, it was going to be fatal. I said that simply to say this. We've got to stop letting the devil play us like puppets whenever he gets ready. In other words, we have got to stop falling for the same old tricks over and over and over again. We've got to stop giving in to those old desires that we have. We've got to stop cheating on God. You know, you say, well, preacher, I wouldn't dare do that. I wouldn't cheat on God. I love God. I wouldn't do anything to hurt God. But we say we love Him. And we say that, yeah, we're going to keep His commandments, but yet we're having an affair on Him. Now, you might ask, how is that, Pastor? Well, let me inform you exactly how that is. Every time you go against His Word, every time you operate out of His will, we are having an affair with the fatal attraction of sin and that attraction is deadly. And the bad part about it is there are some conditions. There are some consequences. There are some situations. They will eventually manifest themselves as a result of our fatal attraction into sin and there's three things that it will lead you to do. My first thing today, first point today is this. The fatal attraction to sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will take you farther than you want to go. Okay, open your Bibles back up. You got them open? Now, we're going to jump all the way down to verse... Uh, let's go to verse 16. Y'all there, Amen. Well, there ain't much amen in today. What's wrong? Everybody must be wanting to get to the football games or something. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. You know what that word vexed means? That means that he was impatient to the point of death. Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, there hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
Now we'll read some more in a minute. Now, it seems to me that in view of everything that Samson has been through at up to this point, you know, the, the previous relationships that he has been, that he would have learned by now to leave well enough alone. <laughs> it's real easy for us to draw that conclusion. But then I have to add, after some of the things that we've been through, it seems like to me that we shouldn't go back down the same alleys that we've been down before. In other words, we ought to know better by now. So after experiencing two bad relationships, you would think that he would have been super duper careful in his dealings with Delilah. That he would have been prepared. <clears throat> but here's the thing. When your nose is wide open and you are attracted or you are allured or you are enticed by something, you will do whatever it takes to get it. It just doesn't matter. I'm going to have it. And the text clearly shows, we just read it, that Samson was willing to go all the way to be with Delilah. He was willing to do whatever it took to have her. He was so captivated, what we just read, he was so captivated by her that he gave her the secrets to his strength. In other words, he sold his soul to the devil. Many times in life, we become so attracted by something that we're willing to forfeit the very things that God himself has given us, our powerful weapon against sin. Now, I'm sure in, in Samson's line of thinking, when he began this little escapade, I'm sure he was sitting there telling himself, well, I'm going to tell her some things, but I'm not going to tell her everything. I'm not going to give her my secrets. But you see, that's what happens when, when we get enticed, when we get ensnared into sin. We become, well, we're just like that old fish on the hook syndrome. You know... When you go fishing and you throw that bait on that hook out there and that big old fish comes along and he's sitting there telling himself, wow, that looks really good. Maybe I'll have just a little taste. Isn't that what we think when we dive off into something we're not supposed to do? We think, well, if that fish is anything like me, man, if a little's good, a lot's a whole lot better. So what does that fish do? He takes that whole thing and that hook in his mouth and things start getting tight 
and that hook goes in his lip and there's a tug on the line and then the angler reels him in. You're caught. Now what? Well, let's get back to our little story here. You see, many of us have gotten ourselves in trouble. Why? We've been reeled in because we thought we could just take that little nibble. That we could control it. So what did Delilah have to do in this deal? Delilah had the... She had the bait. Undoubtedly, man, this Delilah gal, she was... Hourglass figure, good looking. She was hot. Oh, she was hot. So what did she have to do, old Samson? She just threw that line out there, boy. Hook, line, and sinker. Wow, I got him. Really, man. And that's exactly what she did. You see, she was able to take Samson. What did I tell you my first point was? Farther than he wanted to go. Farther than he wanted to go. You know, he he thought, well, I can just hang around the outskirts of sin and, and just be around her. But she was able to to hook him. And she was able to reel him in and get the secret behind his strength. Now let me interject here real quick. You see, that's exactly what the enemy does to us. He's able to reel us in and he takes us further than we want to go. We don't have any tensions. You know, how many times have you heard me say from this pulpit, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And we've got good intentions when we begin. But then we get hooked and we get involved and we go further than we want to go. Well, how, how you might ask, how, how, does, how does that happen? How do we get ourselves in that kind of predicament? Well, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked it. Because here's the reason why we fall into that position. is because the devil, he knows how to hit you right where it counts. Exactly the very area that you claim to be strong in. If you say, well, I'm a strong family man. I love my wife. I love my kids. He knows how to send a gomer, a gomer your way. You remember Gomer? Y'all remember her? Oh boy, I'm going to have to get my sermon out and preach that one to you. There, what, what was that guy's name? Sharon, help me. The prophet, minor prophet, his wife's name was Gomer. Now don't, and she was a harlot. Don't you think that would have been a little tip off to have a name like Gomer? That's the reason why I say, when you say you're a strong family man, God or or the devil can send a gomer your way. That's where that's coming from. I'll have to preach that sermon. Remind me, Lori, when I get home to dig that one up. That one I preached a long time ago. Man, I was young when I preached that one. But God knows, or the devil knows how to send a gomer your way. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm diligent in my finances. 
I'm careful with the way I handle money and the way I spend money. But the devil knows how to mess with your spending habits. Well, it's, it's like this. I'm going to give you what, what was really transpiring here between Samson and Delilah. Think back when you were single. You was, you was a man of God, a woman of God. And, and you told God, oh God, just send me that special mate. Just send me that special someone into my life. And what does that special him or her going to do? He's going to try to wind you and dine you and sweep you off your feet. Well, that's exactly what Delilah did to Samson. It's as classic as the day is long. He, she swept him off of his feet. Now, you know, the thing was with Delilah, she was playing her poker hand. And she says, it's time to go all in. And she went all in. She got right to the point. In other words, just like the devil does with us. When he gets us within reach, he doesn't waste any time trying to get hold of us. What is the devil's job, folks? What does the Bible tells us? The devil's job is to, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will do it by whatever means necessary. My grandmother used to say, you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Every one of us has probably heard that. You play with the dog long enough, he's going to lick you in the mouth. So we have to be careful when we play with the enemy, when we hang out with the enemy, when we think we're going to dance with the devil in the moonlight. You know, we might not plan to go all the way, but if we're not careful what happens, that fatal attraction of sin gets a hold of us and before we know it, we've gone farther than we wanted to go. Unfortunately. You notice what Samson did. I did not read verses 6 through 15. But if you read those verses, you will see, you will discover that Samson lied about his source of strength to Delilah three times. What was he trying to do? He was trying to deceive a deceiver. He thought that, that, that he could outsmart her. That, that's what he thought. He, he thought that he could beat Delilah at her own game. And many times, many times, that's what we do with the enemy. We, we think that, that we can play his game. We think that we can beat him at his own game. And unfortunately, we fall into that fatal attraction of sin. So now, when that happens, just like Delilah and Samson, he was sitting there thinking that he could outsmart her and he failed to realize that every time he lied to her, he was just leading her a little closer to his weakness. That's what he was doing. In other words, 
when we play that mental game, if you will, of Russian roulette with the enemy, you know what we're actually doing? We're actually truly exposing our true self, our true weaknesses to Him. And we end up going further than we want to go. Now you remember I read verse 16 to you. In verse 16, we finally see that, that, that Samson reached his point of no return. Because she bugged him, and she bugged him, and she bugged him, and Samson finally does what? He finally breaks down, and he goes all the way, and he tells Delilah the secret to his strength. So that's what we're, we will do ourselves. If we're not careful, we'll expose ourselves to the enemy. And then when we do, we allow him to rule. We allow him to reign. We allow him to wreak havoc in our lives. Now the second point that I want to make here real quick, sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Open your Bibles. Look in verse 18. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knee, and she called for a man, and, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not or knew not that the Lord was departed from him. You see, finally, when Delilah learned what his secret was, where his strength lie, what did she do? She learned to, to take advantage of Samson. She did what, what, what it took to, to, to put him at a disadvantage. And that's what we've got to understand what the enemy will try to do with us when we enter into this fatal attraction of sin. He'll do what he can or he will do. Let me rephrase that and say he will do what it takes to keep us in that bound in that sinful situation. In other words, he knows what it takes to keep us down. He knows what it takes to keep us bounded up. And He will keep us in the trenches of torment. And when I say He keeps us in the trenches of torment, that keeps us from being able to praise God. We can't worship God. We cannot uh, be an overcomer. You see, before Samson told his secret, every time he found himself between that proverbial rock and hard place, he always had a plan of attack. He always had a way to escape. He had the ability to overcome. What did we see in those first three verses when they thought they had him surrounded? He had a plan to escape and he got away. Now listen to me. But what did he do? Before he, he, he well it wasn't before, but he forfeited his power of God. That's what he did. 
He forfeited the power of God by exposing his secret of his hair. In other words, he gave his enemies the ammunition that they needed to take him down. Many times in life, we'll allow the enemy not only to take us into sin, but he will keep us enslaved. He will keep us entangled, entrapped in it. Why? Because we forfeited the power of God. Not only are we relinquishing our covenant with God, but we become so confined We become so incarcerated that we take on a a imprisonment. You know, we're, we're imprisoned by the attractions that were laid before us. So what I'm telling you, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to blind us. He wants to cause us to take our eyes off of Jesus because when we take our eyes off of Jesus, what then? We lose sight of where we're going. He binds us. In other words, He wants to keep us captive in His will and make us depend on Him. And then the result, we start thinking mentally like we're a prisoner. So that fatal attraction to sin will keep you there longer than you wanted to stay. One more point, and I want to wrap this up. This is the good one. This is where you need to wake up. Finally, the fatal attraction of sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. I want you to look in verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now I want you, let's see. Well, let, let, let me just stop right there for just a minute. Let me tell you what they did to Samson here quickly. Because we find out that Samson had to endure the high cost of humiliation that came from the Philistines. And the reason being because Samson had antagonized them. He had tortured them. He had tormented them. And we just read that verse that it says that they offered a great sacrifice to their God. They rejoiced because... They had taken Samson down. He was in their hands. They rejoiced at the fact that Samson was no longer a threat. They had brought him into captivity. And see, this is what I want you to understand. Once Satan has you captive, then he can relax. He can let his hair down. He can begin to rejoice. 
You know, you just think about people and, and, and you watch people and you see people that aren't lining up with the Word of God and you might ask yourself, why does it seem like nothing bad ever happens to them? You know why? Because Satan's already got them captive. He's holding them captive and all he has to do is maintain a certain level of control. That's all he has to do. Now I want you to think about that. You know what else they did to Samson? They called for him and said, let him perform for us. He ran a grinding stone. All he did all day long was go in a circle. They called him and said, let Mr. Macho Man come out there and let's just let him make a complete fool of himself. They made a mockery at what he once had been. He once was a pillar of strength. He was a force to be reckoned with. He once was a symbol of strength in the army of the Lord. But now he has been consumed by the fatal attraction of sin. And it wound up costing him more than he was willing to pay. Because if you look in verse 30 and 31, you will see that his fatal attraction to sin, he paid the ultimate price and it cost him his life. What was my third point? That it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. And that's what it cost him. But I want you to look here real quick. I want you to look in verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and, my, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines. In other words, with one blow, God, with one blow, Blow, let me avenge my two eyes. I don't think I shared that to y'all. They, once they caught him, they, they put out his eyes. And, and I can't remember what verse it's in and I'm not going to go back because of time. But they literally bored his eyes out. That's what that meant. I, I, I don't know where it is here, uh, I, I, but I, I've got to move on. We're, we're running long on time here. But, but then, uh, uh, Philip by two, verse 29, And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up. In other words, he braced himself against the pillars that held the building up of the one which with his right hand and of the other with his left. 
And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people there that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than, than they which he slew in his life. Now, when, when you read this story, you kind of think, well, this ain't right. This is kind of a sad ending. But then I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8.28. He says that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Did you hear me? Are you with me here? That all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. If memory serves me correctly, what was Samson called to do? Samson's original destiny was to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. That was the original plan. And even though, get this now, even though he allowed the fatal attraction to sin to take him farther than he wanted to go, to stay longer than he wanted to stay, and to cost him more than he was willing to pay, aren't you glad that God's will will always be done? Aren't you glad that God's plan and God's purposes will always come to pass? Even though, even though it may not seem fair to us, even though Samson lost his life, guess what he did? He still destroyed the Philistines. In fact, the Bible says that in his death, he slew more Philistines than he did when he was alive and well. So the best part about it is that the children of Israel were delivered from the hands of the Philistines. And they could say, I'm free. Praise God, I'm free. No longer bound. No more chains holding us down. My soul is resting. I'm just a blessing. Praise God, I'm free. Be careful with the fatal attraction of sin. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that we've got this place that we can come to, Father, to spend time in your Word. Father, to get away from the hustle and bustle. Get away from the phone. Get away from all the other things that we have going on in our life and just spend some time with you. Father, just help us
Bring Your Word alive in each one of us, Father. Help us to focus on You when we really find ourselves in that very challenging situation that we can overcome. That we can maintain our integrity and our character and not let our guard down. Father, we thank You for blessing us. And we just ask as we leave this place that You will guide and direct us. Watch over us and care for us, Father, that You will continue to protect us in this very challenging time that we live in. Father, just forgive us where we fail You. And Father, I ask again for the blessing of rain that we so desperately need. I lift up each and every person that we have on our prayer list, Father. Each and every situation, I just ask you move in a special way. Father, just help us go out from this place and be a light that shines in this old cruel world. Father, just help us point people to Christ to share your story. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.